and welcome to Starkville. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame. It's an inside the park home run. Doug Glanville. Mike tried his coffee at Starbucks with a double latte skinny Jason Stark <laughs> is against humanity. Take away the human elements of Starkville. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to Starkville. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for The Athletic, and we're all finding that we can do that. We can write about baseball even when there's no baseball because it's what we do. And as always, I am joined by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer, Doug Glanville. Doug, how are you, my friend? I am doing well. I, you know, we're homeschooling. We're, we're yeah. doing what we can. And I, uh, I, have, I have a lot more hats since uh, we started this podcast. <laughs> I'm very proud of that. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I've been home for two weeks now from spring training. I still have not left the perimeter of my house except to bring in whatever groceries we can get the stores around us to deliver. And I don't know about you, like if you try this grocery delivery thing, it doesn't always yeah. go quite like you had in mind. Uh, about a week ago, we placed a big order from, I guess I'm, I shouldn't name the store, huh? Uh, which of course they promised to deliver six days later. <laughs> So, like, you go through the week thinking, well, we'll get this, we'll get that. When they went to fill the order, I'll, I'll make you guess. How many of the items we ordered do you think they had in stock and actually delivered to us? Well, if it's anything like our experience, I'd say 30%. <laughs> Here's the – I'm going to give you an actual number. Two. Oh, two no. items. <laughs> two items in a little plastic bag landed on our doorstep. So that oh went well, God. huh? How, how how's everything going in the Glanville household on that front? Yeah, I mean it's I, I my wife is amazing. She's like it's like it's like invade, invading another planet. The way she is strategically places orders and she stacks them and and figures out what's coming in. I mean it's it's complicated and you just don't know the a lot of the they're so busy and they're overstocked. They need more delivery and and safety and. So I have no idea what we're going to get. We just adjust accordingly and try yeah. to be creative. I'm online all the time, like, okay, who delivers and who might <laughs> deliver? And ordering protein shakes as backup. And I don't know. I'm just trying yeah. anything right now. Yeah, we have some secret strategies now, but I am not going to divulge <laughs> any of them. <laughs> Can't do that. That kind of information cannot get out. Uh, Doug, uh, I, look, be, before we get started here, I want to say – and I know you share this, that we are thinking of everyone out there who has bigger things to think about and worry about than baseball. Uh, this virus is affecting the real lives of people that we know and love and people out there who listen to us, who read us. And we want to encourage everyone, if they can, to help in some way, if they're able to. I know that we've been given to groups like Feeding America, American Red Cross, Fill abundance from the town we live in, you know, it, it just groups that help provide food to those who need it, and will continue to keep giving. And, and Doug, I'm I'm sure you share these sentiments. 
Yeah, I mean, and and I think it's you know, there's organizations I've been volunteering for years with the, for example, the Police Council in the state of Connecticut and the and the Civil Rights Commission and different and just trying to think and organize effective ways to be helpful. I mean, it's so easy to get kind of in your like you said your home front, your home territory, uh, because of our limitations now, but but also just still having that sort of outside view and and all the stories and circumstances struggles that people are experiencing sometimes it's just overwhelming to think of where to start you know that that's sometimes my challenge of like I don't even know I have friends that are physicians and you hear the stories of the hospitals and so uh, my hometown was you know in in a very intense spot for a while in Teaneck New Jersey for example I talked to you know called the mayor or texted him and so it's it's so many fronts that's what makes it challenging but it's also as you mentioned a, a time of you know, reflecting the connection of what is the best of sports is that teamwork, working together, thinking of, of something larger than self and pulling through together. So, uh, you know, that's what I hope what we provide in the podcast to our listeners, just the, our friendship, just listening and telling stories and talking to each other and hopefully getting people a chance to kind of think uh, in, in many other things that they're passionate about at the same time as they're worried about. Uh, the world right now. So I, I'm honored to be part of that. So it's, And it's great to share it with a friend. Yeah, I feel the same way. Everything that we talk about is in that context, right? Where we understand that there's way more important stuff than baseball going on in the world. And we never forget that. But it doesn't mean that people don't still care about sports and about our favorite sport. And so I, like our, our job is to connect with those people in whatever way we can. And, you know, the last, especially the last week or so, Doug, yeah, you and I have been talking back and forth, texting back and forth about how much we miss baseball right now. Opening day is just one of those important dates on both of our calendars. Like I, I, I've, I've been grasping for how to explain it. it. It's, it's just that it's one of those annual events for people like us. It's, just like the 4th of July or New Year's Day. It's just part of the fabric of our lives. And we adjust our internal calendars when opening day rolls around. So last week was weird. It was weird for me. I, I, I could tell how much I missed it because on Thursday, which should have been opening day, I actually watched three of those opening day at home games that were out there because I missed it so much. I, I was actually sitting there with my wife watching and live tweeting the David Freeze game from the 2011 World Series. She yep. thought I was insane. And by the way, there were also, I think that caused about 50,000 people in Texas to unfollow me. <laughs> but, oh, of course, I'm sure. <laughs> But that game was epic. I couldn't help it. Joe Buck's calls of the big moments were so tremendous. And, you know, to watch these games when you know what's about to happen is a really weird feeling. It's it's kind of cool, but it's weird. And, I, you know, I've been watching other classic games that have been on cable and YouTube. Uh, I also, as we promised last week, I watched – and live tweeted another one of those old black and white home run derby shows from the 60s. Uh, this one was uh, Mickey Mantle versus Ernie Banks. Uh, this was selected by the by the listeners and readers in a Twitter poll. Uh, Mickey ran away with it. Ernie, not a real good performance. 
wasn't that happy with himself. <laughs> but one of the things that was supposed to happen was I wasn't supposed to live tweet that alone. You were supposed to live tweet <laughs> it too. So what the heck happened there? <laughs> well, I, I forgot to realize, recognize that anything between 5 p.m. and 10 p.m. <laughs> in my house is complete uh, vortex. It doesn't get into the parenting vortex that takes place. <laughs> Uh, as I try to put four different ages of kids to bed, which yeah. starting with our three-year-old. And, you know, so it's like, I don't even know what happens actually from five to 10. I know I was vacuuming something. It I, it could have been dirt. It could have been a shoe. I'm not sure I was vacuuming something. So, uh, yeah. So I forgot to like, wait a minute, 730. That's pretty tough. So, but uh, I, I got to figure it out because those things are, are I mean, I love the announcer, Scott. Is it Mike Scott or Mark Scott? Mark Scott. Scott. Mark Scott. Oh, my gosh. He's great. Cult, cult so hero. Funny. Cult hero. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, you know, maybe we could maybe we could do one in the afternoon. People are around. Yeah. So we could we could try that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what Absolutely. afternoon, but you know, one one day this week we'll live tweet another one. We'll do another Twitter poll. Let people vote on what they want to watch, and then you find all these games on YouTube. Tremendous. Uh, yeah, have you been watching great. anything? Any of those classic games? Yeah, I, I've well, I, '86, uh, the Mets Astros series. Oh, wow. That was that was yeah, that was cool. I was in high school. And growing up in Jersey, there was, you know, a huge amount of Mets fans. I was a little anti-Met because I was a Phillies fan, of course. But uh, that was that was such a good series. And Lenny Dykstra, when he hit the game-winning home run off Dave Smith, he mentioned Stratomatic Baseball as the last time he hit some walk-off home run. And that was, of course, I love that. So I've been talking a lot to Strat. I was on uh, one of the radio stations, ESPN, in North Carolina, Raleigh, and talked about <laughs> Strat for a while. And so Strat has been big. Uh, MLB The Show, just sort of video games, which the, the Cubs actually played opening day, Cubs at Brewers, on and on a video game platform with PlayStation, I think it was. And that was that was pretty cool. My wife walked in and was like, for a second, thought it was a real game. So to their credit, those <laughs> graphics are pretty amazing. So I've been reminiscing a lot about just old baseball games, old video games, uh, games I played with cards and Strat and yeah, and in television and just a lot of eighty stuff for me. It's been yeah, that part's know, been the, nice. One of the things that uh, people have become aware of around Philadelphia, in fact, uh, Matt Breen wrote a really cool story about this in the. Uh, in the Philadelphia Inquirer, was there? There was this guy who used to be an intern at I think it was Prism, right? Who found a found a bunch of yeah. videotapes of old classic Phillies games about to get thrown out and digitized them, and now they're he's got them up on YouTube as I forget whether it's Phillies classics or classic Phillies, but you could watch yourself if you're dying to do that. Yeah, pretty freaky. Uh, yeah, I have I have all my at bats on tape, but not actually the not a lot of the full games. Uh, so so yeah, that would be yeah, that's surreal, man. I mean, uh, it's good for my kids, and they didn't never none of my kids saw me play. Uh, and and while I was you know card play, I played in the Hall of Fame game up in Cooperstown one year, and I brought I did that just so my kids could see a little bit, but they really never saw my full game, which is kind of interesting now as I get older. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you can bring that back to life and you probably yeah. can find some old opening days that you played in. Uh, there's a lot, there's yeah. definitely a few on there. And, uh, you know, like we should actually tell some stories about opening day because it's such a memorable time for both of us, uh, you know, a little, from a little different perspective. I, I was thinking about some of my favorite 
opening day moments, games I've covered, and I've covered a lot of them now. I, I, there was one way back, uh, I think this was like 1986, because Pete Rose was still managing the Reds before he was banished. And I saw Pete Rose intentionally walk Mike Schmidt in the first inning of the <laughs> season. I wonder if that's ever happened before or since, right? Uh, I was at the first game the Marlins ever played in Miami. Joe DiMaggio threw out the first pitch. Uh, I was at the first game the Rays ever played in Tampa Bay. I was at the first game the Nationals played in D.C. I was at an opener in Colorado. Uh, This was a classic. It was sunny and 70 during batting practice and snowing by the third inning. That was memorable. Uh, only in Colorado. I, and then I had two really crazy things happen to me at openers that I covered in Washington. So 2010, uh, covered that game. It was a day game. So went out to dinner after the game, sitting in a restaurant. And we have a table by the window and a fight bus out. Right outside the window, big fight, bunch of, you know, bunch of guys and the the police come and a policeman grabs one of the guys in this fight and throws him against the window. And the guy goes right through the window at our table. (laughs) My goodness. I did not order him. (laughs) Like the whole place went, what? (laughs) It was nuts. So that was memorable. And then I go back to D.C. 2015. This is Max Scherzer's first game. And so that one, I stayed over. And the next day, I was going to drive back to Pennsylvania. My car got stuck on a hydraulic <laughs> lift in the parking garage, right? I, it, was, oh, Dan, it was funny. I, I go down to valet parking, and it's me and Dan Ugla. Uh, Dan Ugla's car comes. He drives it around the block. Then he comes back because he's got a second car. He's just staying there until his place is ready that he's okay. renting. So now Dan Ugla okay. drives away two cars. I'm still standing there. And finally, the uh, the I'm there for like 20 minutes. And the valet says, hey, we've got a little issue. Why don't you go back in the lobby and we'll call you? So instead, the manager came over and said, uh, yeah, we got a little problem. Your car is stuck on a lift. I've just got to find somebody who can fix the lift and I'll get right back to you. So then he came back to me an hour later and he says, yeah, okay. The good news is we found a guy who repairs hydraulic lifts. The bad news is he's in North Jersey, so he won't be here for five hours. Oh (laughs) my goodness. So I like, it's like a little personal hostage crisis. I was, I was there for 10 hours waiting for my car. (laughs) So I'm sure you have some great stories, but top those stories. I don't know if I can because there's a it's the off the field stuff that's uh, I don't know if I can beat that. Um, you know, I guess the well, I, I always think of memorable from the standpoint of the creativity by some of the staffs of these teams that had these showcases for opening day. So Montreal was really cool because we did a Survivor re- imitation where they had like tiki <laughs> lamps and like grass skirts and island oh gear God. and music and drummers. And they you know, they had the fire going. And then whenever they announced us to each position, they would snuff us out. <laughs> so they had, I mean, it was really amazing. Of course, like there was, you know, only like 5,000 fans, I think. But um, Wait, it opened that was pretty cool. Yeah, no, it probably was more than that. But it wasn't, wasn't I don't think it was packed, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> the... Uh, so those were cool, but just like the playing side, I 
I did hit a home run opening day 2001 against Ryan Dempster in the Mar- in Florida. And I was so excited because my name was on the leaderboard for the National League home run leaders <laughs> for like 13 hours. It was just like, <laughs> I am the National League leader in home runs. It was a day game. I could say that for only about 13 hours. So I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. Uh, there was also the Cubs. I think it was 97. Yeah, 97 when we started 0-14, unfortunately. We played opening home opener with against the Florida, also Florida Marlins. It was 29 degrees. Uh, wind chill was ridiculous. And I think the night game that the White Sox were supposed to play was canceled, even though it was a couple degrees warmer. And we still played, of course. <laughs> so... So that's when you have the ski mask, you know, Ray Sanchez, Those you could always think of those guys that you didn't even see their face, just their eyes. So I remember coming up to the plate and I looked and I, it was Jeff Conine at first, Bobby Bonilla at third. They both had at least 15 layers of clothes on. I mean, if you bunted, if you so much as made them move, they would have absolutely exploded in just like a shred of fabric, of just uniform fabric everywhere. They were completely stuffed, like immobile. They looked like statues. It was so cold. So <laughs> growing up in Jersey, yeah, you know, I definitely, uh, you know, understand the cold. So we, I mean, it's it's just hard to play, but you got to psychologically like work your way through it. So, so my opening days were, yeah, they were fun. The Phillies, of course, were always fun to play at the vet, but. Yeah, you know, most of it relates to my playing time. I can't even think of if I want one yeah. as a kid. But I'll have to get back to you on that one. Uh, okay, you know, I, I, when we were kicking this around, you told me that you thought you hit an opening day walk-off. So I went and looked it up. Uh, you did hit an April walk-off, it, but it was not opening day. It was the only walk-off homer of your career. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little Doug Glanville trivia quiz. Who... Gave up your only career walk-off, pal. Oh, I'm all over that. That because it was the Montreal Expos. <laughs> yeah. so it was Rocky Biddle. Yes, sir. <laughs> Let's play the Rocky theme. We get the Rocky theme. Where's Cam? <laughs> Rocky Biddle. Yeah, that was. And you know what's crazy about that is they pied me at the end of the game, and, and we were on some HBO series that year, or one of those like you know hard knocks kind of things. So uh, they pied me, but they used shaving cream. And I, I have like all these allergies, you know, like now I've, you know, I've been seeing like I saw someone for years, so I'm okay. But my sinuses were like for two days, it was, they were like so inflamed and like, it was miserable because I used shaving cream and I like inhaled all these chemicals. And stuff. So I was like, you have to use like lemon meringue pie next time. Uh, shaving cream is not good to get pied, so but it was pretty cool. Walk, I have a friend from high school at the game too, so uh, and the rest of my career was downhill the rest of the year, and I ended up uh, <laughs> that was it, that was like, last year. <laughs> okay, then, uh, you know, someday you and I are going to talk about the, the this stuff where the, the guy who gets the big hit after the game gets pied or gets the, the Gatorade thrown all over him or the ice bucket or whatever. I think it's time for that to stop. But we'll we'll get into that some other time when there actually is baseball to talk about. Yeah. And you know what? I'm I'm pretty confident that that will happen sometime. Uh, there will be an opening day someday. I do not know what that day is, but I want to ask you 
about something that I wrote about last week in a column on the schedule. And it was then confirmed when uh, Major League Baseball and the players reached their agreement um, on pay, service time, contingencies for resuming the season, that sort of thing. Uh, When baseball starts up again, uh, and again, nobody knows when that is, I I think uh, there's now a really good chance it could be with no fans. And look, we all understand the reasons for that. But Doug, uh, I've seen the images of those games in Korea with no fans and players wearing masks. I don't know if I want to see those scenes or have baseball go down that road if those are the conditions. And I, I think that for a lot of reasons, but one of them is, you know, I, I keep thinking about what baseball could mean when it returns. And I think about life after 9-11, when baseball came back after that experience, uh, how it meant so much to everybody. And one of their big reasons was it was a shared experience. We all share the emotion of that time. And I'm talking about players, fans, media, managers, coaches, everybody. The power of the moment was not in just having the games back. It was all those people in those ballparks with the tears running down their faces, crying and cheering together. So, Doug, I want to ask you, if there's nobody in the seats, what's the meaning of baseball when it returns? Can it possibly have that kind of power? Well, no, it would not have the power that you would have because, as you mentioned, it's it's collective. You know, it's it's a shared experience, and you and you share that return together. That is powerful. I think it it sits in a certain way in, in time, in history, the memories. It's you know, but you know, trying to imagine players in masks or empty stadium, uh, you know, it reminds me of that adage. You know, the phrase they talk about or the quiz, I guess, about if a tree falls in a forest and no one hears it, did it make a sound? It's like, you know, so if a baseball game is played with no fans, you know, did it actually happen? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a question that uh, needs to be answered definitively by ultimately the game and, and the, the players association. I know they're working through tough times, but I remember, you know, Adam Jones, Baltimore Orioles with, with the Freddie Gray po- protests and the concerns and the girls playing in an empty stadium. And it just was, Strange. I mean, I guess you could green screen it and put in fans or something for from a programmatic wow. standpoint, but it's like <laughs> that's you know that's not the the live experience that anybody wants. So, uh, so I I hope they they use that only in a scenario of some last second you know never type of thing. But it's you know, I was part of that nine eleven Philadelphia, and it, just the national anthem alone was just like chills down your spine yeah the video board the connection yes uh, i just you know it, like you said it's a, it's a different kind of opening day and and it's one you can't you know once opening day happens you can't capture it again in that year no matter what it is and this is this would be historic you you don't want to lose that uh, yeah i'm with you and you know i wrote about this in in my column on the schedule you know if that this were to happen playing games with no fans it would be the, the the concept would be they would just be doing it on an interim basis but all right what if you start uh and it turns out that the cdc says it's just not safe yet for thousands of people to assemble 
Uh, and then that go that condition stays in place for months to come, many months to come. Do you play a whole season with no fans? And the sense I get talking to teams is they don't want to do that. Um, you know, for, for many reasons, one of which is it's, it's all cost and no revenue for some of these teams that don't have the big TV deals like the Yankees. But I, I just wonder if you start playing baseball with no fans, do you have any choice but to keep going that way? Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. And, and you nailed it down on that side of you don't know. And and you see the there's so many different strategies being employed because every state is different. Every circumstance seems to be different. And and that's sort of trying to tie it together. As you mentioned, it's it's very different to play in Seattle, Washington versus Washington, D.C. or Boston versus, you know, Houston. Uh, and are we going to come through at some magic moment and just be like, okay, we're all going forward together? It just seems unlikely just because of the way it, it's so different in different circumstances and different timelines. So I don't, I don't know how they how they would, you know, be able to respond to that and not feel like, oh, you know, for the safety, you may have to have at least one of these cities have to step back. And then that's going to unravel the whole thing. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think about this all the time because uh, it's. I mean, what we do in, in in our line of work is we ask questions. I can think of a billion questions. There's like three answers. You know, like nobody knows any answers to anything. But I, you know, in the wake of that agreement, let's just suppose that at some point baseball is able to start up, and the agreement calls for regular season games now to extend through October and the postseason would then occupy November and it would be at neutral sites for some of these games, maybe even every postseason game. And let me ask you, do you like the idea of the world series on Thanksgiving? So you'd be, it'd be Turkey stuffing, mashed potatoes, foul balls. All right. I mean, as you know, love heart and soul baseball, love it. And uh, but just as you mentioned, the the feeling in the spring you get that this is supposed to be baseball season and that uh, that's in your bones. And as soon as the flowers are blooming, I mean, I'm growing up in the Northeast, so uh, the four season. I also associate the off season in a certain kind of way. Also, the the sort of downtime, the reflection, the time to frame these stories because you've been engaged in a sport every single day. That's what baseball does, right? 162 games. There's no like Sunday. Here's a week off. Whatever you play every day, and then all of a sudden that that decompression is significant in the in how you tell the stories, how you bring it back together, and how you get that game of anticipation that's so woven into the game itself, let alone woven into how the seasons come about. So I don't know how far you can go before you start going, well, are they going to go to spring training like right after that? I mean, yeah, I guess the Yankees, when they were dominant, they did this all the time, right? They played into November. But if you're going to be out there in like December and you're talking about who's Mr. December uh, and you're competing with like, you know, (laughs) Pat Mahomes or something, (laughs) Patrick Mahomes, uh, I think you kind of have a problem, (laughs) you know, LeBron James. (laughs) So so I don't know. That sounds wild to me. All right, so that that would like this would be the the greatest sports center poll everywhere ever ever. <laughs> oh, let me say this again. This would be the greatest sports center poll ever. Who was Mister December? LeBron James, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, or Aaron Judge? 
God. I can't even grasp it. Oh, my goodness. That's hard to fathom. (laughs) Hey, we could be there. We could be there. Hey, let's, you know, in some ways, I, I, I almost hope we are, but December? Really? <laughs> okay. All right. What, one more thing related to that agreement last week. Um, obviously, service time was the player's number one issue. So they zeroed in on that. And the agreement says most players are going to get a full year of service time, even if the number of games played this year is zero. And that would mean that Mookie Betts, it was a guy we talked about last week, this very topic, right, on this podcast, means Mookie Betts would become a free agent even if he never plays one game for the Dodgers. So in the vein of that tree falling in the forest again, this would be a second tree <laughs> if you're keeping score. Uh, the other day you asked me a deep and meaningful question after this deal came down. If the season is canceled, was Mookie ever a Dodger? And the answer is? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's a, uh, Wait, it's your I, question. You oh, yeah, it's my on. question. I mean, I'm going to say no because, well, here's why I say no. I mean, he took pictures, but so did I. I took pictures when I was with the Yankees in 2005 spring right. training. I never played a major league game as a New York Yankee, so I never considered myself a Yankee in the standpoint of, like, there's no gameplay. Um, so that, to me, is, is sort of that line. I mean, I understand, for example, if you're in season and you you get called up or whatever, you like, I don't know, you don't play, you don't get put in the game. And I understand, like, this ties to the service time question, right? Like, you could get called up and sit on the bench and still have 30 days service time. You, you took batting practice. But this is this is spring training. There's no game. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I remember Rob Ducey. I'm sure you covered this. Rob Ducey was a teammate of mine in Philly. And he got traded for a player to be named later. The Phillies couldn't decide who that was, so they just traded. They just traded back for him or took him back. So the tra- <laughs> so Ducey, the, the player to be named later for the trade of Rob Ducey was Rob Ducey. So Rob Ducey was traded for Rob Ducey for himself. <laughs> and I remember Ed Wade. I think you, you wrote about this. Ed Wade said, I "Well, I hope we got the a better player back than when we left. Than he left." <laughs> so, <laughs> so I did. Uh, so I, I do plead guilty to writing about that. <laughs> right. We're gonna, oh uh, you know, thanks to the miracle of baseball reference, we can look up all this stuff. I, I just love being alive in a time like this. And so, uh, here, let's see, here we go. Oh, they do not identify him as being traded for himself. They must not. They, they, they. <laughs> okay, it says the Blue Jays sent Rob Ducey to, to the. Oh no! Here we go. You're right. So, yeah. yeah, traded yeah, by the, the Phillies time. to the Blue Jays for a player to be named later. Yeah, uh, but then it says the Blue Jays sent John Snead to the Phillies to complete the trade. But then, like two weeks later, it says the Blue Jays sent Rob Ducey to the Phillies to complete an earlier deal <laughs> for Rob Ducey. <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't know. I, it's still a mystery to me. I know, I know they, <laughs> I know his locker. They took his locker though. We we took his locker. He left, yeah. and then he so he had to move across to the other. Uh, I mean, I, I no idea. So that that's a mystery of. Uh, so yes, if you can sort of teleport, I wonder about this being like: Are you officially 
you or what happened in those 10 days? Was he a Philly? Was he a Blue Jay? Nobody knows. Two he weeks, got, I guess. See, he got uh, three plate appearances with the Blue Jays, three games with the Blue Jays. Oh. So I say, so he was right. a Blue Jay. And so answer to your Jay. question, I think you picked the perfect cop, you. I, I, I was thinking when you first asked this question, let's see now. I was in spring training. I was in Dodgers camp. I did actually see Mookie Betts wearing right. a Dodgers <laughs> uniform. I even posted a photo of him, if I remember right, on Instagram. Uh, so obviously he was a Dodger. But then I thought, wait a second, I saw Glanville in a Yankee uniform and spoke with him. So yep. same thing, not yeah. a Dodger, despite the way it looks. And Doug, here's the conclusion I reached about Mookie. He'd be kind of the moonlight Graham of the 21st century. Uh, and you done. know exactly <laughs> why I'm bringing that up, right? You, you know why. I'm bringing I it do. up be because last week you had some shocking remarks about the movie that made Moonlight Graham a household name, Field of Dreams. So uh, because we were talking about something else, I promised we would argue about that this week. But before we start arguing... I'm going to let you explain why you think Field of Dreams is sappy or overrated or must not watch or whatever the hell you said about it. What's wrong with Field of Dreams, pal? Oh, wow. Okay. So for starters, I, I'm going to be careful here because I love our audience and I know this is a heartfelt movie that is very important uh, to the narrative and the story of baseball. And I do respect it for that. I get the father-son connection. Uh, I, I get it. And I, I think there were some parts of it that were so beautifully and moving in terms of like, the, you know, Moonlight Graham, uh, his younger self deciding to be a doctor in that moment at the field and he crosses over to help the daughter. Beautiful. Okay, it gives I, me chills. I, that, that gave me chills. Okay, so I, I give it. Okay, but here here is some of my challenges. And I watched it last night for the fourth time to just like, okay, make sure I'm not like overreacting because I hadn't seen it in a while. Okay, so it Field of Dreams is kind of like a it's a sci-fi movie. Okay. So that's one thing I want to it's sort of like E.T. hyphen Field of Dreams. Okay. So because all right, so you have this guy who's hearing voices in in the in the crops. That's kind of strange, right? That is weird, right? Okay, so you have a guy hearing voices. Wait, you don't in hear voices in the crops? Right. Right. And I that played happens. in Iowa, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I remember pretty well. I've been in <laughs> Des Moines, uh, but yeah. So that was that was a little weird. I think generally, the, if I sum it up, I had trouble suspending disbelief. I, I even though I like I'm a big sci-fi guy and all that, but it just the way they just kind of sprung it on you that this guy's walking, uh, he's willing to risk all this stuff with his family. How he connects the dots had some real holes in it. Like he's talking to his wife on the stairs about going to Boston. And then she's like, oh, I had a dream about that. Oh, I had the same dream. And then he's about, you know, that was weird. Like the, uh, like you're, you're not going to walk into James Earl Jones or basically break into James Earl Jones's house and you know, not be successful, walk away, break back in, and then like hold him at gunpoint or pretend you're at gunpoint and like come out of there in one piece. That was kind of strange. Like how how are you going to like use your finger as a gun? Like, all right, so those parts kind of lost me. Uh, I think the, you know, and, and one thing I can speak to personally that 
maybe why I, I could also have just an inherent disconnect is that I didn't learn the game from my father. Like I didn't have that experience. My dad had me when he was 45 years old, just like I had my my last daughter. And, you know, he, he had a bad neck and he had, you know, like I, you know, L4, L5 issues. So he didn't really have catches with me. It was my brother. My brother taught me the game. My brother connected me to this love affair with baseball. I, I didn't have that kind of father connection. And though it was moving, it wasn't like my story in that way. And I know it doesn't have to be about me in that regard, but that that was a miss for me because it was like, yeah, I get it. But my my whole baseball life is through my brother. And thank you know, thank goodness, you know, for him. And uh, so, so I, yeah, so I appreciated there's the, the like a lot of the stories. I had trouble with how they connected the dots. Like even when at the end where they have the um, the prediction that all these they will come and the, all the cars drive up, which was really powerful. The way that he, his daughter didn't have a whole lot to say, and he kind of quieted her a lot of time, and then all of a sudden. She, she like says something and then he's like, oh, tell this story. Like all of a sudden she has like five straight minutes of dialogue to explain this thing that he knew was coming. So I felt like Costner acted like he was psychic. So he was more like K-Pax with Kevin Spacey and like he, he always knew what was coming and it just took me into more of a sci-fi kind of feeling. Uh, okay, so I, I know I'm going on and on. I, 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 like I said, <laughs> I respect it. But I, I had trouble with the the suspense of disbelief. I love the Moonlight Graham like segment, but him traveling through time and Costner, you know, basically kidnapping and you know James Earl Jones and you know all that. I had a lot of trouble with those breaks from the story, and it just to me just didn't connect the voices and hearing voices and people. I don't know. Uh, so I, I, that, that's it. I'm not gonna go on because I know I'm making I'm digging my own hole with Field of Dreams <laughs> fans right now. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's my story. Are you done? I am done. You're done. Okay. I am done. That's it. All right. Now, I, I wish I had everyone listen to this podcast. We could all tell you how wrong you are. But first off, it's called a fantasy. Uh, when you go to the movies, are you, like that, why do you go? One of the reasons that people go to the movies is to be transported into a different time place world reality it's called a fantasy so we love field of dreams just for that i would love field of dreams just for the cast the cast is awesome uh, i would love it because it's about things that even non-baseball fans care about dreams family fathers and sons and and obviously cornfields <laughs> and, and, I, and i i also think that the measure of any film is how iconic is it? There are lines from this movie that people walking down Main Street in every town, no, every town, if you build it, he will come. Everybody knows what that is. Is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. We know <laughs> what that's about. And then the whole friggin' James Earl Jones speech. The one constant through all the years, Ray, is baseball. Oh, my God. It's tremendous. Tremendous. How could you not love that speech? James Earl Jones is delivering it. Oh, my yeah, God. 
And uh, he was, I mean, that's, I, I love that part. I also, but I also had a little trouble with, it's the Black Sox. Like, we're romanticizing a team that threw the daggone World Series. Like, oh, wait, wait, I mean, wait, wait. Like, wait, like, wait, like, 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 Shoeless Joe, okay, he was innocent or whatever he was. What did they, they even you said in the movie? That he was innocent. He was, what it, it's a fantasy. Right. Fantasy. I know, I know. But I, I agree. I, I get that 100%. And which is why you got to suspend disbelief. And I, I had, and normally I'm great at it. I, I really am. <laughs> I think baseball, because I, I love sci fi. I love like movies like Interstellar with Fourth Dimension. So I, I guess I just had trouble making the leap in a baseball sense. Uh, because for fantasy, I get like, okay, Bull Durham, or, you know, there's sort of these components that you could dream up. Uh, but that's a little more grounded in that way. But it, it, that's why I threw the word sci-fi because there was, you know, th- there was sort of the voices and people who are no longer with us, and you're seeing people that don't exist. And like, okay, so it's a little more. It's almost like it's more sci-fi. Like, and that's cool. That's so cool. What? I'm just saying. So what? It, it, they're right. I agree. Like James Earl Jones. I, yes, the voice, the line. I love the Terrence Mann story and. And I liked her speech at the Board of Ed. I've been at a lot of Board of Ed meetings in the yeah. last year. Yeah. <laughs> that was, there you go. That was good. That was really good. And people will most definitely come, Doug. <laughs> uh, you know, like that, when you, when you talk about this ability to suspend belief, it reminds me of the movie that I, quote unquote, starred in, uh, Million Dollar Arm, where one of the reviews said it didn't ring true. It was a true story. <laughs> so... <laughs> Get with a program. By the way, back back to Field of Dreams. I'm not done. Yes, yes, go ahead. I, I also yes. want you to know that I consulted a book on the 100 greatest sports movies ever filmed. It was written by my friends Glenn Macnow and Ray Didinger, uh, who we talk about on this show because we also stole the stupid baseball bet from them. Uh, and do you know where they ranked Field of Dreams among the top? 100 greatest sports movies, pal. They ranked it number 11. It's ahead of Chariots of Fire, which won the Oscar (laughs) for Best Picture. That's how great and iconic this is. And now, one more thing. I want to read you a quote in that book from Bill Simmons, our former colleague at ESPN. I'm going to rattle the pages. Can you hear the pages rattling? Just so you yeah. know, I'm, I'm reading now. Yes. Okay. And I, and I want, and I also want to hear your personal connection to it because I remember you said it's your favorite. I, I, I I'd love to hear uh, that. Bull, Bull Durham's actually my favorite, but this is right there with it. All right, but anyway, all right. Here's the quote. Yes. Uh, Bill Simmons. So he wrote this on ESPN.com. I think the world is separated into two kinds of people: people who loved Field of Dreams and people who don't have a heart. If, <laughs> if I were dating a woman. And she said she didn't like Field of Dreams. I'd immediately dump her. And then these guys write in the book, we agree. So, Doug, that sums up my feeling about this movie. I love it. I love watching it. I watch it anytime it comes on. So here's the deal, pal. If you want to continue on this podcast, you're going to have to come around on Field of Dreams or else I'm going to be forced to dump you. It's it's yeah. basically your choice, Field of Dreams or a trip right on out of Starkville. <laughs> What's it gonna be? I have to start like a suburb of Starkville, maybe like a like I lived in West Des Moines, Iowa. Maybe I could have a, my own suburb. Yeah, I well, I didn't say I didn't like it. I just I said I didn't love it. So I I you know it's like 
So I'm kind of in the middle. Is that what you said? I would not have put. I think I said we'll have to play it back. I don't think I said I didn't like. I didn't feel it or something. So um, yeah. So I yeah. I, Bull Durham is. I love Bull Durham. I absolutely love it. And and that's personal because I, I I played in that league and and it just felt so real to me and familiar and all those characters I I recognize. They they literally were on my team in '92 and in that league. Um, but the nostalgia and. And uh, Shelton, I sort of been in touch with him periodically by Ron Shelton by email, and and uh, yeah, it's beautiful. So, but I hear you, uh, I hear you loud and clear. I I I listen. I watched it again. I will continue to give it some opportunities. I definitely have seen it, and I, like I said, I love Moonlight Graham. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I, yeah. That was that was my yeah, favorite yeah. part. My dad, my dad was a physician. I get it. I, I, I want I want to get the the mayor on here. Mayor Cam is with us, and uh, may I mean I, when you're trying to decide whether you're going to expel a citizen of Starkville from the city limits, I think you have to go right to the top and ask the mayor. So, Mayor Cam, are we going to let Glanville hang around Starkville, or is he done here? Oof, that's a tough one. I think we need to put it up to a vote next time the Starkville City Council <laughs> gathers. Uh, we are going to vote uh-huh. on it for sure. I'm kind of in the same boat. I've actually not seen The Field of Dreams, and I know that was a requisite Whoa, homework no. this I, weekend. We, we may, yeah, yeah, uh, we're going to have to it was homework, you too. But I had to follow the masses and watch Tiger King this last week, and I will get around to Field of Dreams, and I promise next show we will have a decision from the council as well as a review for myself. Yeah. All right. Is this another yes. Twitter poll? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now, well, we don't want to be antithetical to the movie about uh, loving all and keep bringing everybody. It would be very antithetical to the Iowa tradition to kick people out of Iowa. So I just have to throw that out to, to all the Field of Dreams brethren out there and sistren. <laughs> is it no, is no, sistren no. a word? I just made that up. I don't know. If, if you love it, you will come. If you don't <laughs> you love, love it, it, you will go. That's the new <laughs> motto. Okay. <laughs> so just get with the program, Glanville. Uh, now that that's going to do it for this episode of Starkville. Uh, we will be back next week to help you fill that void that baseball leaves in all of our lives when there's no baseball. Uh, let's remind you again that we are now available absolutely free everywhere you get your podcasts. So be sure to subscribe to Starkville on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, pretty much everywhere podcasts are available to you and yours. And of course, you can still find us at the Athletic app and the Athletic website. And if you like this podcast, I'm guessing there's some team in the big leagues you root for. And if you do, the Athletic can help you fill your void because we have 16 local Major League Baseball podcast now. Those podcasts feature the best baseball writers in the business, plus broadcasters, plus former players, plus special guests. It's awesome. And have we mentioned that all the athletic baseball podcasts are now free wherever you get your podcasts? Uh, so check out the Athletics Network of Baseball podcasts right now. And if you thought about subscribing to The Athletic This is a great time to do it because you can now try out our 90-day free trial. Just go to theathletic.com slash Starkville with an E on the end. Okay, then. I want you to know that starting next week, 
we're going to be bringing back our listener trivia questions. People have been tweeting them at me. I take that as a sign they're ready. They miss them. So we're going to bring them back, which means you too can be part of this podcast. You too can achieve those 15 seconds of fame that you have long lusted after. You just need to submit a trivia question that the evil mayor of Starkville, Mayor Cam, decides can make me and Glanville look like clueless knuckleheads as usual. And then we'll get it wrong, and then we will use your question to inspire a fun topic of conversations in this podcast. So if you would like to submit a question, we've now got an email inbox. Uh, you would email starkvilleattheathletic.com. That's starkville with an E at theathletic.com. Or you can tweet them at us. Uh, Doug, how would somebody tweet at you? Yeah, piece of cake. Just my name, at Doug Glanville, D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E. Correct. Well spelled. And you can yes. tweet at me at Jason S-T. That's Jason with a Y-S-T. Just hashtag those questions. Hashtag Starkville QS. That's Starkville with an E, Q-S. So, Doug, thanks for playing. Thanks to you all for listening. We will see you next week on Starkville. Starkville.